listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. This is episode number 183. My goodness, we are on a roll, and my goal is to get you information that's going to help you improve your skills as a rainmaker. Hence the name, The Rainmaking Podcast. And as you know, this show is not industry-specific. It's kind of agnostic, but it really focuses on those people who are in professional services firms. And your job is to earn trust of your clients and your client prospects and to grow your practice. So what happens, though, if you have a team of people that you have to manage in your professional services firm? How do you do that? Well, we're going to answer that question and more in our conversation today with Dan Warburton. Now, Dan is a management consultant that specializes within the legal industry, although these concepts do apply if you're not in the legal industry. Trust me, you'll hear that specifically as we talk about this. But he shows them how they can free up their time and how they can unleash their team's potential to dramatically increase their profits. And he has a track record at doing so. So make sure you pay close attention to Dan. We're going to put his bio link and his LinkedIn information in the show notes. So wherever you listen to the podcast, go there and you'll be able to connect with him directly. As always, and I'm really proud of this sponsorship, our sponsor is Leopard Solutions. Legal intelligence suite of products, Firmscape and Leopard BI push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. It's something I use every day. And also, if you are in the recruiting industry, check out theplacementclub.com. That is a large online community, a learning community for people in the recruiting industry. We have almost a thousand members. While you're there, consider signing up for the Bronze Annual Membership, where every Monday I do a one-hour group coaching session where we solve your problems and we help you make more placements. Motivation, discipline, wisdom, theplacementclub.com. One good idea can change your life forever. Anyways, that's enough of all this. Let's get to our conversation with Dan, and I hope you get some great ideas from my interview with him today. Thank you for listening. Hey, this is Scott Love with the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Dan Warburton, and our topic is Three Secrets to Profitable Delegation for Rainmakers. Dan, thanks for being on the show today. It's so great to be here. Yeah, and I like the fact that you have a lot of expertise in this area, and I'm really excited to kind of dig right into it. So when you talk about profitable delegation, kind of give me some working definitions. What does that mean? What's the profitable delegation, unprofitable delegation? What's the difference? Kind of tell us a little bit about what that means. Well, my client that usually approaches me are law firm owners, partners, seniors within the legal sector, and they are overwhelmed with work and trying to do a lot of billing work themselves. And so what I show them is how they can have other people doing that billing work on their behalf. Yeah. And in the end, end up earning a lot more than if they did the billing work themselves. Yeah, let's sign me up. Sounds good. That's <laughs> what else do they need to know? Right. So so tell me this. What do you see kind of looking at pitfalls when somebody's starting to think about delegating work? What are some of the pitfalls that they need to avoid? Well, I think fundamentally the biggest pitfall is that they don't think of delegating. You know, the legal sector, the reason why a law firm partner becomes a partner is because they've got a big book of clients and they bill high numbers mm-hmm. of hours. That's it. Well done. You're going to make, you know, we're going to make you partner now. So they then all of a sudden become a partner, expect to continue doing this billing work and also having a team to manage. But at no point throughout any of the academic training 
And through their time at that law firm, were they taught leadership and management? So in the end, they end up really exhausted trying to fit in their billing work. And then they end up with this team that just annoy them. This team just keep asking stuff and wanting things. And how do I do this? And how do I do that? And they just, they just want to be rid of the team and just focus on their own billing work. Right. And then they get stuck on a hamster wheel going round and round and round and round. And they can't see any way out other than I just have to complete my hours of billing. And they never stop to think, well, what if you had 10 high-level fee earners working one hour, each billing one hour each, so that your firm could collect on 10 one hours of billing mm-hmm. versus you doing that one hour yourself, which is going to bring in more profit. Yeah, It's that simple. And yet it's not thought of in that way because at no point in the journey of a lawyer are they ever taught how to be leaders and managers that can leverage the people skill to make much greater profits. Yeah, that's right. So where do you think people should kind of get started if they want to... If they say, they say, I want to delegate all this work to people, what should they keep top of mind first as they're looking at delegating this? So the very first thing is to set up regular one-on-one calls with their key team members. Mm -hmm. That's like, you could say secret number one is Mm -hmm. if you're leaving yourself contactable at all hours, then you will be contacted at all hours with all sorts of questions and everything by everyone in your team and it will wear you out. But if you have regular one-on-one calls, And then you request each team member, unless necessary, don't contact me outside of these one-on-one sessions. Mm -hmm. If you have to, fair enough. But unless you really need to, don't contact me and just save up every query and challenge you have and then bring it to me in each week's one-on-one and we will go through it. Do you think attorneys have a a problem with that in itself though? Because their persona to their clients is they want to be accessible all the time. Do you think they have an issue drawing boundaries traditionally? Well, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, of course. And again, it's because it's just, automatic. It's that they've never stopped to think about, well, what happens if I have two uninterrupted hours to focus on absolutely anything that my law firm needs, whether that's finding a new recruitment agent, trying to work out why people keep leaving my firm, business development. Who are those ideal clients that I could take out for lunch or dinner to go and close those really big deals? Right. Then all of a sudden they're leveraging their whole firm, their whole year's expertise and everything to be so much more profitable than if they were stuck behind a desk trying to do that one hour of fee earning themselves. Mm-hmm. So when they do this first secret, setting up regular one-on-one calls with key team members, setting up boundaries, unless it's a critical crisis, don't contact me except between this hour and this hour. I mean, that's what yeah. they should do, right? That is. Yeah. Because unless otherwise they're going to be interrupted all the time. But the great thing is, is once they've got one-on-one calls set, they know that they've got one-on-one time with each key member or main fee earner to really ensure that they're getting everything that they need to perform at a high level. Ideally, billing 100 hours each per month is the perfect target to aim for. Because with 100 hours, everybody, every fee earner in a, in a firm can manage that and right. still have time to manage all their admin and everything and still get home to their wife and kids. So you say give them everything they need to bill at a high level. What, what are some of the things that they need to give them? Well, they need to be having work effectively delegated to them mm-hmm. by someone. They need to be making sure that they're able to do the work that's being handed to them to a high standard. Yeah. And if it's not, then they need that one-on-one support and training to make sure they can deliver that work to a high mm-hmm. standard. So co-reviewing work together in that one-on-one time is really useful. 
Yeah. And then making sure that bit by bit, you train the fee earners to be able to deliver that work directly to the client. But up until that point, review the work. But as soon as the work is of a good enough standard to deliver straight to the client, they can not only do that to that one client, but they can start then reviewing the work of the other law firm, mm -hmm. the, other, uh, in, the other members in the law firm that are also billing. So then you end up with this structure where no work gets released to the client unless it's reviewed by one of the senior members. So then you sleep well at night knowing that all work is being delivered to a high standard and you then delegate that away as well. So have you ever had it happen with people you work with where their person that they're reviewing the work with, that they're delegating the work to, just isn't giving them what they need? Have you ever seen that happen before? No, not really. I've had these situations where the young fianas or the associates aspiring to become a partner think they're partner material way before they are actually partner material. And yeah. they're wondering why they're not being given this opportunity. But yeah. because the partner of the firm wasn't there to give them that one-on-one -on -one support, they were unaware of their flaws. They were unaware of the trainings they needed. But once that was put in place, let me give you an example just to really make it clear. Sure. So sure. I, I had a law firm partner who was leading a team of 12 Mm -hmm. And he was burnt out, exhausting, doing 100 hours a week. And he, he was just absolutely exhausted. And his partner was also really exhausted and they didn't know what to do. And he came to me saying, I don't have any joy anymore. I haven't been on holiday for years. I don't see my wife and kids. And so the first thing we did was we set up those one-on-one -on -one calls mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then made a request that nobody contacted him outside of that. And then in those one-on-one -on -one calls, he learned to make clear requests. So this is secret number two. Okay, clear. Great. Clear requests. And for a request to be clear, it needs to include three items. Firstly, exactly what you want doing it needs to be measurable so that when it's done, you can say, yes, that is done before it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Secondly, a time frame. And third, it needs to have agreement on the time frame and exactly wants to be done by both parties, the, the one making the request and the one receiving the request. If either of those three elements are missing, that's not a clear request. That's yeah. just some weird communication that leads to some you know, dissatisfying result. So then once he learned how to structure these one-on-one -on -one calls, make clear requests, and also request he wasn't contacted outside of them, he then had space and time to focus on other things. Mm -hmm. In those one-on-one -on -one calls, he then elevated the performance of his team members and got all of them up to 100 hours each. And he then, after two months of working with me, he dropped from 100 hours a week to less than 50. Wow, that's great. But after six months, he made an extra $707,000 clear profit. That's great. Work less, yeah. make more money. How about that? Yeah. And that was only with a team of 12. Yeah. After a year, his firm went from being valued $3.5 million to $8.5 million. Mm. Not only that, he's now got his life back. He spends his evenings with his wife and his children. He goes skiing on weekends. That's a great story, Dan. And he's able to really enjoy business development, really relaxing with his clients. I mean, he's now killing it. I mean, he's now... Uh, only six months after finishing working with me, he's now doubled the firm. There's like 25 of them in the firm now. That's great. That's fantastic, Dan. So so I like what you mentioned. Make clear requests, what you want that's measurable, the time frame, and then having the agreement on the time frame. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And so and then, so well, let me ask you this. When people have these meetings, is this actually a phone call? Is it Zoom? Is it in person? Is it email? What do you think is the most effective way to do that? Absolutely must be in conversation emailing and trying to run a whole firm with emails is highly ineffective. There is a level of power 
in requesting verbally that you can never achieve through emailing, which is why if you have the one-on-one calls, you know if you spotted a mistake that individual's made or if they've let you down or done something wrong, you haven't got to say, hey, let's set up a call. When are you free? You know that same time, Tuesday, 4 p.m., you've got that one-on-one call with that individual. So you just take a note, right? Bring that up with them. Then something else happens, bring that up with them. And then you know each week... What happens is when you've made the request, is secret number three, accountability. Okay, good, good. Let me go back before we get to this one. How often, did you say this should happen every week? Should it happen every day? What do you think? For my clients, it works really well once a week. Once a week, okay. But it usually is the length of time that varies. So for the more senior members that know what they're doing and just keep going and going with no problem and operate at a high level standard, they, they just get 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. For some that require more input, more reviewing of work, checking, you know, and support to really get the great results, there might be a full hour, sometimes even an hour and a half a week with them. Mm-hmm. And it's not forever. You know, those the, those one-on-one calls, they can feel like wading through mud with someone, you know. But once people become more commercially minded, start to think more skillfully about how to business develop from their existing clients, because as we all know, as lawyers, that's where most of repeat business comes from is from repeat clients, existing clients. And then once you see they know how to talk to them and they're generating extra work and they're delivering a high standard of work, you can then drop them down to half an hour a week. And it can even get to a point where some of the key team members, you can then appoint one of these people that you've trained and brought to speed to now be underneath one of your key team members. So ideally, you don't want to have more than about five to seven one-on-one calls a week with your key team members. Mm-hmm. If you've got more calls a week with more than seven team members, then what I'd say is what's missing is, is making requests, delegating, and structuring the business correctly. And the idea is, is that once you've got these one-on-one calls going, you want everybody right from the top to the bottom to be accountable to one person. Okay. So that nobody's left floating around and everybody's got somebody that they've made a promise to the week before of what they're going to do, that they're going to be held to account on the week after. So do you think that, is there a social element to this that Rainmakers should keep top of mind, like getting the team together to learn and grow with each other? What do you think about that? Yeah, I would say on top of that, it's great to have a weekly call, mm-hmm. like Monday morning showdown, whatever you want to call it. And the Monday morning is firstly, it's all about fun. What did you get up to the weekend? Who have you drank more than you intended to drink and what happened? <laughs> you know, real fun. And that brings right. this, this fun. We're all together. We, we are something. We are some team. You know, we know us. We have relatedness between us that makes us special and connected. It creates that. And then the second thing is acknowledgements. So that's your bonus secret. Oh, let's, good, get back to, let's get back to secret number three, accountability. Okay, good. Accountability. Excellent. So you cannot make requests and set deadlines and have them agreed upon if then there's no accountability to check that the request has been fulfilled and the deadline's been fulfilled, right? Yeah. So what you do is on each week call is you agree on what they're going to do and by when. And then on the week after, say, did you do that? Did you do this? Did you do that? Okay, you didn't do that. So what happened there? What got in the way? What do you need from me? Is it technology that's missing? Is it you need more work from me? Or do you need more work delegating to you by somebody else? Did you not understand the work? Do you need more training? And the idea is, is to have like a a context around these one-on-ones, which is, look, we are having these one-on-one calls so that you succeed. And so when you first set up these one-on-one calls, the best way to start them is to say, I want to set up a structure that ensures that you succeed at what matters to you 
through your employment in this firm. Mm-hmm. So why are you in this firm? What is important to you? What do you want to succeed at? Is it more money? Do you want to become partner? Do you want to take Friday's afternoon to go and play golf? Are you in, you know, some kind of club or hobby or sailing? What is it? And then once the employee feels like you really care about them fulfilling what matters to them, then the loyalty really steps in. Yeah, right. And then right. you end up with these highly loyal employees who are getting regular one-on-one support to succeed at what matters to them. And it's where you also then get to make clear requests of them. And then you hold them to account on the promises they made the week before and, and then give them support to then make sure they don't break those accountabilities again. So let me ask you this. I love what you're saying, by the way, Dan. I think it's insightful. I think it's effective. I think it's important. But I know there's going to be somebody listening to say, <laughs> that's saying, you know, I never had anybody like that when I was a young associate. Come on, we're lawyers. I don't need to babysit people. I don't need to coddle you. Just do the work. Shut up. Get back. Get on the phone. Get me that document. I don't need to be a coach. I don't need to be a leader. They should be responsible enough adults to know what's expected of them. And if they can't handle it, they should go somewhere else. What would you say to that person? That's I'd say, okay, so when you go to the gym or when you go and do exercise, do you really push yourself and fulfill your potential? Yeah, right. Yeah. Compared to- And do you go on all the dates that you say that you're going to do? And do you do all the workouts that you say you're going to do? No, no one does. No, even me, who's like really into yoga and I do yoga probably five to six mornings a week. I'm no way near as to when I was in the Himalayas with yogis practicing yoga for those hours, that length, that duration of time, you know? And so that's exactly it. If you want a high performing, highly profitable team that takes a responsibility off your shoulders so that you can go and have a great life, I mean, an extraordinary life where you get to go to nice lunches and dinners and do lots of business development whilst enjoying the money you've got to delegate away your workload. And the only way you can delegate away your workload is if you actually delegate it, which is requests and then track the performance of your delegation through accountability. And it's only then will you know, firstly, if your leadership is in or out. That's the first thing you need to distinguish. Okay, good. Because if you're not making requests and not holding people to account, then your leadership isn't in. So So let me me ask you this. So and, And that's a good point. So let's just say I have somebody here that I'm, I'm coaching them. I need this document. I need this written. This is what we agreed to. How can I say, I want to hold you accountable? What do you think me as a rainmaker can tell my associate that will convey that I need to hold them accountable? So the first thing is always put it in the context of the employee succeeding at what matters to them. Okay. And that the way that they're going to succeed at what matters to them is by co-partnering with you to succeed at what matters to the firm as a whole. Yeah, that's the context. Yeah, good, good. Because if you say, I'm going to hold you to account on this, well, what's the context behind it? There's no, what's in it for them? People will only take responsibility for your firm's success when they feel that their success is on the line. How about that? They feel responsible, right? (laughs) That's that's, that's wise words. (laughs) It just makes sense. You know, the old tactic of manipulating with fear, if you don't do this, you're going to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't finish off with this or, you know, whatever, all these things that, that you say and these threats that go on, it doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't work. The new generation, they don't want to put in the same hours and grit like we do. You could say they're a bit softer. Okay. Maybe true. Maybe not. I don't know. It's these days. 
But the bottom line is, is we all have things that we want and things that we don't want. Yeah. And if we help people get clear on what they don't want and what they do want, and then we help them move away from what they do want and get what they want, then they're going to be more loyal to us and willing to take responsibility that goes with it because then their success is on the line. That's right. That's great. Yeah. So how does somebody get better at that? How does somebody get better at articulating this in the way that you recommend? Well, the first thing is be genuinely interested in your employees. Mm -hmm. And the first thing is to set up the one-on-one calls, then start off the one-on-one calls with what you want to succeed at, what matters to you. Now let's lay our plan so you can achieve this in three months, six months, a year. And then as part of that, and let's look at your hours. Your hours need to be at 100 consistently and give them everything they need to ensure that hours are 100 and they're getting the progression that they want so they're feeling fulfilled on a deeper level, like they've got real progression somewhere to go instead of wanting to leave and join another firm. Yeah, yeah. Which you can only make sure of that if they're having regular one-on-one calls, even if it's not with you. Let's say you've got five key team members and each key team member has a team of five. Each team key te- team member then has five people each having a one-on-one with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what you do with a key team member, the key team member has with the next five. And then it could be that you then have, you know, even further down below that. Some of my clients, you know, they're sort of 25 partners in 300 member firms. And this, this Mm -hmm. works with them. It just takes longer for it to rain down and to really become culture. That's all. So I'm I'm curious. I want to get to this in a second about how you work with them over the long term. I want to kind of talk about that in a second. But if we could give some structure in terms of three action steps to kind of recommend that you'd recommend to get people started with this three action steps, what do you think those three action steps would be, Dan? They're pretty much the secret. So number one, schedule regular one-on-one calls with each key team member. Number two, in those regular calls, make clear requests. That includes what needs to be done, what time frame, and agreeing on a time frame for each one. Number three, is holding them to account on a regular basis to fulfill and be their word and to give them support whenever they break that word. Right. Okay. That's good. That's good. not, that's not good. tell them off, not rip down their, rip off their head, you know, and really scream and shout at them. Because when you do that, it's incredibly destructive to your success as a law firm partner. Yeah. So I want you to tell me a story of a <laughs> firm that you worked with where they didn't have anything like this and you worked with them. And I know you shared a couple of others, but what was kind of the arc of what recommendations you gave, how they implemented that, and when you started seeing some traction take place, and then the end result, where they are today? So another client, she was partner of a 25-person firm. She was exhausted, burnt out. Some of her employees would come in on Mondays, still drunk from the weekends. They really didn't care about her. They didn't care about the success of the firm. She felt like she was having to do everything herself. And When we got into it, what we'd realized was that she was so busy and so exhausted trying to do everything that she would never stop to have a conversation with any of employees and find out what matters to them. So the first thing, again, regular one-on-one calls, making clear requests and accountability procedures. Within only, I think it was four weeks of us working together, one of the, two of the people had handed in their resignation. One of them she had to fire. And then as time went on, she got into a groove where she had these regular one-on-ones with six of the key team members and then structured it so that everybody else was then being held accountable to one other person in the firm. But after the third month, she went from, you know, sort of at the time, at her lowest point, she was only earning about 13,000, 13 to 15,000 in sales revenue. Really low, really low for that number of people. But then after six months, 
she was hitting over 30,000. In fact, more than that, it was over 40,000. But by the sixth month, she started to hit 60, 70,000 revenue per month. And now she's on 150,000 per month in revenue. But it's always the same kind of process that I find that works with one firm, works with another. And it's these three secrets that I've shared with you today. Thank you for sharing that. And kind of share with us what your offerings are. What is it that you have that you do that you'd like our listeners to know where they can benefit from uh, that information and from what you what you do in terms of your coaching? Yeah, sure. I mean, the first step to take is to work out exactly what's missing in your ability to delegate. And if you want to find that out, I've got a 60-second profitable delegation assessment. Okay, it's good. On, it's on the homepage of my website, which is danwarburton.com. And That's we'll put that link on the show notes. Oh, go yeah, DanWarburton.com. Yep. And there, if you take that assessment, it will take you through having a look at your structures, your how many people you've got, and your leadership style. And by the end of it, you get a score out of 100 on your percentage inability on how to profitably delegate a workload. And you'll see exactly where the biggest gap is for you and what skill you need to work on first. That's great. That's great. That's fantastic. Are there any other resources that you have on your site that can help people? Uh, you can add me on LinkedIn. I always like to be connected to new people. Yeah, so just just search Dan Walbert and you'll find me there on LinkedIn. That's great. We'll put that on there also. And I've already checked you out. I know you've got some great information on there. And Dan, thank you so much for sharing this. I like the fact that it's simple, that people can take these action steps and get started. And I also appreciate you offering that free delegation assessment. We'll put that link on the show notes as well. Dan, thank thanks you. so much for being on the show today. Fantastic. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.